Hello and welcome to another episode of The Grey NATO. It's a loose discussion of travel, adventure, diving, driving gear, and most certainly watches. This episode 274, and it's proudly brought to you by the always-growing TGN supporter crew. We thank you all so much for your continued support, and if you're listening and would like to support the show, please visit thegreynato.com for more details. My name is James Stacy, and I'm joined, as ever, by my friend and co-host, Jason Heaton. Jason, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, it's uh, another bright, sunny, uh, perpetual March day here, even though it's still the end of February. We've had the most bizarre of winters, and I think we've talked plenty about that uh, over the past couple of months. But uh, yeah, it continues. Yeah, it's been it's been warm enough this week that uh, if I can find a little hole in the work while it's still sunny outside, I've got some uh, like automotive work to do on the, <laughs> like some, you know, light repairs on the Jeep. And for a while, I thought I would just keep putting those off. But it was well into uh, double digits yesterday here Celsius, which is quite warm. By the time you're listening to this, I'll be I'll actually be home or on a plane to come home, right? Nearly, and uh, uh, but I am going to New York for two meetings. Yeah, you've been spending a lot of time in New York. It seems I feel like you've gone back and forth a few times. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, you know, you, if we're slowly moving back towards sort of what the scenario was before the pandemic, I was there a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think I want to go to that extent. Um, but it's definitely valuable to be down there, you know, once a month, once every six weeks, something like that. I, I prefer to go down for more than just meetings. Yeah. You know, I, I like to be able to go down when, you know, maybe Tony is in from Chicago, Danny's in from DC, we can get together, maybe shoot a video, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, it was it was just kind of some last minute meetings that needed to come together. Otherwise, speaking of travel, I'm, I'm going to be in PA for a good piece of uh, March break. Uh, so PA being Pennsylvania and March break being, you know, something like the week of March 11th. Oh, yeah. Uh, that may be different depending on school district and the rest of it. I don't know. But for us, it's uh, it's the week of March 11th. So I did want to throw it out there that we're putting together another hangout. So this would be like a proper hangout like we did last time uh, in, in the PA area. Last time we did it in a little town called New Hope at Triumph Brewing. I think that's probably what we'll do this time. I still have to call them, but uh, there is a thread in the TGN Slack. So if you go to the hashtag meetups channel in the Slack, you can find the thread and there's a little button to click just to add to the headcount if you think you'll make it. You know, the details are coming together on that. But if you're if you're keen and you're listening to this, by the time that this comes out, there'll be probably a more solidified plan. So swing by the Slack to take a peek at that. Yeah, I, I think that's all I've got. Uh, kind of on on the on the run. How how's the last uh, week or so been for you, Jason? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I guess as you alluded to, I mean, every week can't be uh, can't be fireworks uh, for both of us. You know, sometimes it's just a normal normal work week. And and after our kind of blip uh, camping out in the woods last weekend, we had a pretty quiet week here. Um, and <laughs> you're kind of putting me to shame with the uh, with the meetups. I've, I'm st- suddenly feeling like I should I should host something here or. Uh, put something together. I think it's a nice idea to do these informal ones. And I love to see in the, in the Slack, uh, meetups channel, people just kind of doing these, yeah. these, uh, kind of impromptu meetups in the different, different cities around the world. It's really cool to see. Speaking of travel, I, there's a, a pretty good chance I'll be in England next week. It's something that came up on fairly short notice, um, to fly over to, to London and get over to Henley. Uh, <laughs> some people might be able to guess uh, where I might be going. For that trip and then i'd like to extend a few days and maybe hit the the british watchmaking alliance show in london next saturday so um i can't promise anything i'm still waiting to kind of hear uh, how plans are shaping up and so i can't really put together any sort of a meetup or whether i'll even have time for that but uh 
yeah, if, uh, if any folks are going to that watchmaking event next Saturday, it sounds like some cool brands will be there and, uh, I'd, I'd love to at least bump into people at the show. But again, I'm not entirely hundred percent sure that I'll be going, but, uh, there's a good chance of it. So yeah, fingers crossed. Other than that, it's been, it's been pretty quiet. I mean, the weather's been great. So I've just been getting out and exercising a lot and that's kind of a good lead in for today's episode, which is a bit of a follow-up to one we did a while back, isn't it? Uh, it is. Yeah. It's been a while back. It also just kind of, you know, we touch on the whole idea of our health and our fitness. And obviously we've made some actual changes, uh, both Jason and I, Jason, you've made some changes over the last couple of years that have kind of continually evolved mm-hmm. and mine are a little bit more short term or, or more near term. And we figured it would just make sense, especially after the last couple episodes, you know, we had an incredible, uh, two episode pairing of, uh, Dr. Rebecca Struthers and Carell Bashan from a barrel hand. And, and we thought this might give a little bit of a, a change of pace to that. It's not going to be an hour and a half long discussion of our, <laughs> of our health and fitness and our plans and that sort of thing. But it is a popular topic. We, it, it comes up in the Slack. We have a fitness channel in the Slack. We figured it might make sense to kind of put it in one place, but we, we can get into all that in just a moment. Why don't we kick it off with a little bit of a wrist check? Uh, what have you got on today? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess in anticipation of uh, a possible trip to the UK, I've been wearing uh, my Vertex M60 Aqualion uh, for the past couple of days, actually. I've got it on the rubber strap, which is an excellent rubber strap. And uh, it's just such a, a fun watch, such a great nighttime watch because of the loom. Yeah. I just uh, just decided to pull this one out It give the, give the Pelagos a bit of a rest. Um, I think it kind of has the same general visual vibe as the as the Pelagos, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's a good piece, and that's what I've got on. Yeah, those are great. A good pick for sure. What about you? Uh, always a treat to see that. Yeah, I've actually got on a little bit of carbon today. Thought I'd go with um, kind of a special one that I borrowed slash stole from the Hoodinky shop, and that's this uh, Unimatic U1S Carbon GMT. Obvious bias here. This is an LE made by Hoodinky. I'm employed by Hoodinky. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But uh, those of you who've been listening to the show for a long time know that I am carbon curious. Always kind of interested in the idea of a, a carbon doxa, and, and that's still on the <laughs> wings for me. I, I, yeah. I'm not going to turn that one down <laughs> if if the right opportunity comes along. But this was a good opportunity to kind of grab one of these as as a loner from the office uh, and spend some time with it. And I, I really like it. It's not that much money for a forged carbon watch, but it is a lot for a Unimatic. So it's kind of that weird balancing zone of like maybe they're more they're better known for things maybe fifteen hundred dollars and and less, and this is a little bit over two grand. Uh, that said, if you're looking for a GMT, you want the carbon, you like the all kind of blacked out stealthy vibe. This is a pretty fun piece. It's very much a GMT. It's a twenty four hour uh, bezel in this case unidirectional, so it's based on a dive bezel. Date at six. Really, it is black and white. The loom is pretty solid. It's very comfortable. It's lighter than you would expect. It's certainly lighter than steel. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been wearing it a little bit when I travel and, and I'm keeping a pretty casual sort of profile. This is a nice mix. And I saw it on uh, my the table next to my desk this morning, and that's what I put on. <laughs> it's funny, you know, um, I, there, I go through these phases where I, you know, I was wearing the FXD just nonstop for months. I think some, from September straight on through January. And I just thought, I might as well just lock away all the rest of my watches, not wear them. And now I find myself kind of reaching for variety every now and then. I've, I've been wearing kind of mixing and matching, you know, over the past couple of weeks. And it's it's kind of fun. I mean, that's what it's all about. So. Oh, I totally agree. And I find that if, if I didn't have wrist check, yeah. I would probably just wear one of three watches. Yeah. It, it, it is nice to occasionally 
not wear the same thing every single day. I am reaching a point of like fatigue where there are watches everywhere in my office. Nothing of like incredible value. They're yeah. just everywhere. Any horizontal surface has a couple watches on it. And yeah. I need I need to take some time to like consolidate these into one place. Yeah. Yeah. And the sales channel, the, the buy, sell, trade channel on Slack is just, it, it explodes. I mean, every time I look, that's the channel that seems to get the most, uh, most uh, traffic these days. And it's the one I visit the most often because it pops up and Sometimes I need to avert my gaze. Uh, Tom Place was selling a, a limited edition Zin last week, and boy, I was hovering over the tempting, right? The, uh, the buy now button, so to speak, the, the, the virtual buy now button. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good good place to be. Absolutely, yeah, it's super good. Well, we should probably uh, move on here. We've got uh, we've got kind of a big sort of. Not quite our, our usual topic, I guess, but like, as you mentioned, you know, the last couple of weeks we've had kind of some heavy duty watch guests on and it's kind of time to shift gears and, and look at something else today. Yeah. So we're going to be chatting about sort of our 2024 health and fitness, how things have been going. But the one thing I do want to start with, I actually wrote, wrote this down to get it right. We are not doctors. We're not health professionals. We're not even fitness influencers, though. Jason is moving in that territory and I'm here for it. I like it. (laughs) <laughs> the topics we're covering this episode are informed by anecdotal experiences and singular data points. And that's not to say that what we're talking about isn't necessarily accurate. It's just saying that we are not trained professionals in this space. So you're just getting an example of what might be working for us or didn't work in the past or, or whatever. If you plan to make any major changes to your lifestyle, I do recommend doing so with the support of a doctor or a medical advisor. I think that's a, a fair little caveat to start with. Yeah, as this is not uh, not a world in which you and I are certified right. or or you know a board membered or whatever. Uh, these are you know very much um, not so much armchair because we're active in in our own, but it is our own our one and own experience. Yeah, and I, I think you know to follow up on that, I you know I think maybe what we can do, what we can contribute is. A level of inspiration and kind of curiosity and kind of just getting people thinking about things. And, and certainly I've already gotten a lot of good um, feedback, advice, et cetera. There's a great health and fitness channel on Slack Yep. Um, that, that if you're not subscribed to that, uh, go check it out. And, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback and inspiration from, from a lot of our audience as well. A lot of people that are even better informed and fitter and, and more experienced than us. So uh, we're just here to kind of keep the conversation going and hopefully inspire some other people to take a good look at their own uh, health and nutrition and fitness. Yeah. And I mean, on that point, I can actually kick it off with something very specific. I made a note of this. It was going to be later on in the show. Um, But I do want to make it clear that uh, the reason that I'm able to talk about this or have something to talk about is because other people spoke about their experience over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. That includes you, Jason, and quite specifically, Tom Place, who I've traded some text messages about. And then also uh, Andrew McCutcheon of uh, Time and Tide. I've had I had some conversations with him in Dubai that helped me kind of reframe my position and how I was treating myself and the rest of it. And I think it it does. There is some value in people talking about it, even even people who maybe like in my case, I'm not saying that I'm done or like figured everything out. Simply that like mm-hmm. these are my experiences, and, and I think that in in having a conversation about it, it's easier to keep it on your mind. Yeah it was something I took for granted until about the the pan, uh, start of the pandemic, like my physical health, mm-hmm. because I was active and I was always moving. And it's easy. Like once you have a certain pace going, it's a little bit easier to keep that pace going, especially if you're sort of a, um, a routine oriented person, which I typically am. Yeah. And, uh, and I think 
I lost all of that over the pandemic, became mm. very lazy, really focused on work. We went from a scenario where a certain number of hours a week were kind of a full week. And then all of a sudden we weren't traveling, we weren't commuting, uh, everything could be done in an instant. And that didn't actually mean that we had more free time. It's we took all that time and invested it back into work. Yeah. And that really ate away at, at sort of a mental health thing, but also like my perceived amount of time that I might have to work out or this or that. Mm-hmm. And I think I've talked about it before, but I, I have yet, uh, up until recently, I hadn't really found a new mode of looking forward to exercise in Toronto. It used to be my favorite thing about Vancouver was I was right near a great place to run. Any weekend I wanted, I could ski, hike, climb, dive, whatever. Yeah. I came to Toronto. It's not that the options are any different, but the the entire environment is very different. Yeah. I can do most of those things still just to a different extent and with a different level of access. And when you combine that with more work, it just kind of slowed me up. I, you know, became, I think the, the term that people like is detrained. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a very kind term is, yeah. for the way that I operated throughout the pandemic. Um, I got a lot of work done, but I didn't, I didn't take care of myself at all. And, uh, and I would say that you kind of in maybe about two years ago really started to make some like concerted changes, maybe not quite two years. Yeah. And I think that's been a good reminder for me that it's not, an age thing. It's not a busy thing. It's just a question of priorities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not not to put too fine a point on it, but as I'm a little bit younger than you, and it's nice to know that, like, just because you get a little bit older doesn't necessarily mean that this stuff has to be 200% harder. Yeah. You just have to be intentional with it. Yeah. And I I think you're you're starting off on a good, kind of a good jumping off point here, because I, I think as we age as life changes and we move around and things of our, our kind of journey through fitness, uh, and the attention we pay to it changes. And I think for me, it was, it was, as you mentioned, it was triggered by, I, I don't want to call it a health scare. It was a, it was a bit of an awakening, I guess I had was having some abdominal pain, um, that ultimately turned out to be a gallbladder that had to be removed. But in some of the scans to diagnose it, uh, they found that I had fairly uh, extensive plaque buildup in my arteries, which was a, a real wake up call for me because I'd always been a, a, an active, healthy person, so to speak, and, and did a lot of ex- exercising. I you know, rode a bike regularly, et cetera, hiked and ran and things. And so it was a bit of a shock and, and it just woke me up and made me kind of think like, I need to be more intentional in the way I look at uh, nutrition for one. That was kind of the main thing, but then um, just fitness in general. And as I lost weight due to all the nutritional changes I made. Um, I was feeling better. Exercise became less painful and more rewarding. And, and so that's kind of the route that, that I've taken. And, and you mentioned looking at various people and being inspired by or encouraged by, and, and I've done the same. I, I never used to really read about or follow or look at people or programs that dealt with kind of nutritional theory or fitness routines or, you know, workouts and things like that. And now I find that it's, it's quite fun. It's quite, it's, it's almost become like a hobby. Um, and almost it's become such a daily priority to me to fit stuff like this in. And I I really, um, I really come to enjoy it. And, and obviously it it has the benefit of, of, you know, you feel better and, and hopefully live longer and and yeah, or just healthier in general. But, um, yeah. And I, you know, you and I have talked about it both offline and little bits here and there on the show. And, and I know that, that for you, you know, the move from Vancouver to Toronto was kind of a, 
a big hit on your routines and then work kind of got in the way. And of course the pandemic, it's always an excuse. Sure. But those are, those are mine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, but your journey was, wasn't, you didn't have quite the immediate sort of wake up call that I did. And so I think, you know, you've kind of come to it differently and it's kind of been encouraging to see, you know, you've been telling me lately about, you know, we'll get into it, but you know, your weighted vest and the treadmill. And then we were talking about rowing and, you know, we've shared things over the years and, and it's, it's fun to see the evolution of that. And as I said, it's great to see also the people on the, on the Slack channel, health and fitness kind of getting, getting into it and all of that. So yeah, it's, it, it really becomes a, a community effort. So you spoke about the, the gallbladder scenario, the sort of health red flag, like you said, maybe scares a little bit, but it was enough. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to do the thing that some guys do where they have the first heart attack. Yeah. You have a, 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 a little bit of a superpower that I've experienced <laughs> with you in that you were able to cut something out of your life, even if you like it. Yeah. Yeah. Just cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 some people are good at that. Others aren't. And I don't, I don't operate well with moderation. I mean, and I think superpower might be my willpower, um, as you're alluding yep. to, but my, my weakness is, or the, the flip side of that is I don't do well with moderation. So what I changed nutrition wise was when I first got that diagnosis of like, you know, you have the plaque levels in your arteries that equal like the 96th percentile for someone your age, which was a real shock for me. And I, I was literally, I was tell this story, but I was like buttering a piece of toast when I heard that. And like, that's literally the last time I've, I've consumed butter. And, uh, you know, people have different theories about nutrition and I'm not going to get into of course, plant-based and this and that, but I, I largely have moved to mm-hmm. a plant-based plus fish diet and, and have given up all uh, cream and milk and yogurt and butter and, and dairy um, and have just moved to a pretty, what m- some people might consider a strict diet, but you know, in, in some parts of the world, it's kind of the norm. Mm-hmm. Some might call it a Mediterranean diet or a, like even a South Asian diet, you know, Gashani being from Sri Lanka, we eat a lot of sure. legumes and lentils and curries and things. And yeah, I mean, so it's, I, I don't eat fried food uh, and that sort of thing. And, and I don't miss that. I keep telling people who say, don't you miss pizza? Don't you miss French fries? Don't you miss dessert or whatever? And I'm like, you know, I had 50 years of kind of eating with not reckless abandon, but kind of more or less what I wanted to eat. And I just, I don't miss that now. And and you're right. That's, that is, a, I guess, a bit of a superpower, but also I feel like unlike you, and I, I admire this about people like you and Gashani and a lot of other people I know, like you can have a beer a week or, you know, eat dessert now and then, or, or splurge on a burger or whatever you want and be okay with that. For me, it's, it leads to kind of weird notions of guilt and, and kind of, you know, self-deprecating behavior and whatever. And I think that that isn't healthy as well. So, um, I'd love to work on that, but on the other hand, so far I'm, I'm doing okay. And I'm pretty happy way the way I am. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm always, I'm always cautious to say, if you have something that's working, don't change it until you feel like it's no longer working, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also a little bit lucky when it comes to that in that I, maybe since I was running 60, 70, 80K a week, mm-hmm. I don't need three meals. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. If I went back to running that much, I might change my mind. Mm-hmm. But I really only eat when I'm hungry, and that's typically one, maybe one and a half meals a day. And that's usually like dinner. Oh, sure. Um, which I know anyone listening, probably not the most healthy option. Your option would be to make lunch your big meal and then essentially go to bed without your whole system kind of jacked up by a full stomach. Mm-hmm. It comes and goes. I, I And every now and then I wake up and I'm hungry and I do bacon and eggs or whatever. I think it is kind of an interesting, interesting topic to see like kind of what your history is and then how you apply that to 
being a different age, being in a new new environment, all these sorts of things. And the key for me, and we can get into the keys for you, and I think we should, but I think we share one key, mm-hmm. and that's a, a complete rethinking of alcohol in the last couple months. Yeah, yeah, I agree. How has that been for you? So, you know... Because you and I had multiple conversations. We sat... Sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt you. I do want to yeah. highlight this. You and I sat in my hotel room in Chicago yeah. this past June... Uh, yeah. And had a couple of fingers of Blanton's yeah. each and talked about how like, oh, we can give up all sorts of stuff, but really like giving up yeah. whiskey? Yeah. Like what's life right. about? <laughs> <laughs> right. And then here we are, well, not not even a year, not even barely six months yeah. later. How has the alcohol thing changed for you? Yeah. I think um, when we met at Wind Up, I was probably in the middle of a year where I, I was never, I've never been really much of a binge drinker, but I was drinking quite steadily, quite regularly. Um, and, and that's something oh, we yeah, talked about, you know, it was, and I used to use this excuse, you know, people, it's kind of this glib excuse or response that I would give. It'd be, look, I've changed my diet so much. I need to have one vice and that's going to be alcohol. And, of course. and I always used to say that and, you know, people, but, you know, people don't respond to that and whatever. And, but, but it just kind of became too steady, too regular. And, then if, if people will recall when we did our episode kind of at the start of the year, we talked about doing a dry January as, as millions of people do, mm-hmm. um, which always ends up being kind of revelatory and, and nice um, and a good, a nice kind of reset. And I felt so good at the end of January. And then at the same time, I had planned this kind of physical challenge for, for June, this fan dance that I've talked about um, and started kind of training for that. And it kind of dovetailed to the point where by the end of January, I just thought, I'm feeling really good, like much, much better. So I'm going to, I'm just going to keep on. And here we are at the end of February. I still haven't had a drink since, uh, since New Year's Eve. And, you know, I'm, I'm not being, I'm not being closed minded about it. I, I, if, if the right opportunity came along and I, someone offered a beer or if there was a, a meetup or special occasion or something, I might have a, a drink, but at this point I might just keep on as long as I can. And I've, I've even thought someone mentioned to me about the the fan dance, he said, you know, good for you. A couple of years ago, I did an event in like July or August of that year. And I just decided I wasn't going to drink till after that event. And I've kind of, that kind of stuck in my brain. Yeah. And I might just do that. I might just not drink until after, after that event. And then, I mean, how rewarding with, would like a pint of Guinness be after doing a, you know, 14 mile <laughs> endurance test. Pretty yeah. dang good. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? You've, you've stayed largely uh, alcohol free since the beginning of the year. Yep. So I think at the, at the start of the year I said we would we would try for uh, the joke on on the Slack was try January not dry, um, <laughs> and everybody was very kind about giving me some leeway to have a couple of beers when I was in Costa Rica. Yeah, and I I took a long enough time off of it that it, it removed itself from like you know oh it's five p.m. I'll finish drinking coffee and and switch to something else. Mm-hmm. And now I don't really think about it. It feels really good to not have it as part of my home routine. Yeah. So if I go on a press trip and I want to have a beer with the folks from Oris, no problem. If I'm in Aspen and hanging out for ice race, I don't have to be like, oh, no, I don't like I don't drink. Yeah. I would say the reduction is probably what 95%. I could go back and actually do the math. It would just be startling. Yeah. Because whatever you were drinking in, in a normal week, I was drinking more mm. and have for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. You can't always treat your body like you're 25. This isn't news to most of the people listening. It's just kind of new for me. Um, I think what the the other thing that really did it for me was once I removed it from 
kind of my routine, I also realized I didn't miss it that often. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like every now and then I want to go to a brewery and sit with Sarah and have a beer and just enjoy the the beer as the thing. Mm -hmm. But as this thing that you just have in your hand as you do everything else in life, I had I had totally like the, my math was way off yeah. on the way that I had kind of made it part of my my routine. And there's been some like kind of interesting revelations in cutting back. One is that I don't miss it nearly as much as I thought I would. Two, I feel way better. Yeah, which everyone says. And and I coincided the the reduction in alcohol with um, some tracking. So I have the aura ring, which we can talk about. I don't want to spend like thirty minutes rambling about the aura ring. Just giving everybody a heads up. Mm. <laughs> and the other thing was I, I committed to finding a, a type of exercise that I couldn't say no to. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, and that ended up being a $200 Craigslist treadmill <laughs> and walking six-ish days a week, sometimes seven, sometimes five. Well, you know, that, that brings up a point because I was going to ask you what what the outcomes have been of, of cutting back and, and what changes you've felt and and you know, for me, the, the physical changes, you know, I, I, I'm noticing less, less joint pain, better recovery after mm-hmm. exercise, better sleep. But what I'm also finding, yeah. and I think this might relate to your treadmill routine is, um, I've found that by changing kind of that behavior or, or it, it's affected other parts of my life. Like I feel like in, in, maybe it's a subconscious thing. I'm sure it is, is it's kind of led to more positive energy in terms of yep. fitness and working out. And just, I just feel mm-hmm. like I have a different outlook slightly. Um, yep. and I bet a lot of people discover that as well. The thing that's most notable, noticeable for me is my natural level of like floating frustration, mm-hmm. the speed at which I go from at least outwardly calm to overwhelmed. Yeah. That, that I have so much more latitude now. Yeah. Yeah. I had a pretty daily habit, especially yeah. when it came to bourbon mm-hmm. of like, this is the end of the day. This is how I wind down. Yeah. And what I learned, this is the scariest thing. You're not winding yourself down, or at least I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was winding myself up. Yeah. Yeah. I right. was taking whatever stress I still had that was like natural and okay and part of life and adding a layer that only amplified it. I right. put it under a magnifying glass rather than letting it dissolve. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, no, I, th- I think the aura ring, the treadmill and, and taking some time to kind of recalibrate my relationship with alcohol mm-hmm. has made a huge difference in like just my, the general anxiety of life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I handle problems <laughs> better. I'm sleeping better. I'm less tired. Um, I feel way less self-conscious about being on camera, mm-hmm. uh, for, for the job. Uh, you know, I don't know how, like I'm sleeping pretty consistently seven and a half hours a day. Yeah. And I don't know how many hours I would need to not have dark bags under my eyes. So maybe that's just the way James looks. And that's okay. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right. I look the way I look. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. I do always look a little bit tired, but I look less tired than I did a year ago, which I'm pretty happy about. I can give you some numbers if that's helpful for people. The I didn't go into the workout scenario without some forethought because I have some experience in running. I have some experience in weightlifting. I have some experience in, in this world. I'm not a pro. You don't necessarily have to take my advice, but I didn't go in without a plan. Um, I've seen a lot of people, especially as you enter your 30s, the major concerns are uh, like heart rate variability is pretty important. The the ability to just maintain the cardio system, not stress it necessarily, 
mm-hmm. but maintain it is really important. And then the pres- preservation and protection of skeletal muscle. Yeah. So after once you hit your 30s, you lose about 25% of your skeletal muscle per decade moving forward. Mm-hmm. You have to protect yourself from that. You don't get to, you don't get to, and that's essentially by lifting weights to a certain extent. Yeah. But if you're wondering, oh, what's skeletal muscle? Well, sit down on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then stand up. Mm-hmm. Whatever you just use to stand up is essentially skeletal muscle. Yeah. If you're a fitness professional and you're listening, you're rolling your eyes, I get it. I'm just trying to make a simplification. But that's something you have to protect for. And I wanted to focus on one good habit at a time. So the first one for me was I needed to get back to a scenario where I actually liked working out, where I was looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I used to crave my run every day or my weight workout every day. Like that used to be a big thing where like I'd get home from work and I knew that was on and it was like maintaining my mood. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten there with the treadmill. And literally all it is, is like I said, it's a $200 Craigslist treadmill. Had to take it apart just to get it into the basement. (laughs) I think I talked about that on the show. I set it to the highest possible incline, which is 10%. And then I walk for between 35 and 60 minutes. There's really not a scenario in my life where I don't have 35 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I will definitely spend 35 minutes at some point in my day watching YouTube. And I can do that while walking. Mm. Yeah. So there's now now I've removed my ability to say no to this without becoming the world's laziest person, <laughs> which I'm I'm genuinely scared of how lazy I can be when I tell myself that I worked enough that day that I dealt with enough stress or whatever. Yeah. And you end up taking away the one thing that would make all the other stuff easy, the exercise. I, I would do this at about three and a half miles an hour. And then just recently I added a 40 pound weight vest, which has dropped my speed down to about 2.5 to 2.8. I only have about six or seven walks with the vest, but I have all the data. I'm happy to share data in Slack if people want. The Aura Ring tracks all of it. You put it in recording mode hmm. and you get like a, a whole report from every workout of your heart rate zones, the heart rate variability, uh, all, all that kind of stuff uh, factors in. Um, the, the plan here was essentially to cruise on the high side of zone two. So zone two uh, for heart rate is going to be between 60 and 70% of your maximum heart rate. I can put this in the show notes where you can go calculate it. Peloton has a really nice kind of very easy explainer. Um, So to give it a wide delta, that's somewhere between an average of 113 beats a minute and no more than say 145, which would be around the ceiling for zone three. And then if I, if we put this into like actual numbers, uh, at the end of November, I was around 220, 225 pounds, uh, close to kind of my heaviest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as of last Wednesday, I do a weigh-in every Wednesday. Uh, as of last Wednesday, I hit 201. And this is the same scale and the same scenario. So I'm not saying that the number is perfect. It's a bathroom scale from you know Amazon for 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. But I would assume that the, 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 diff, the drop is accurate, um, yeah. whether the top number and the current number isn't. Uh, so I'm hoping that means that maybe by the time this episode drops, I'll be at two uh, under 200, which is kind of my first goal. Um, and and I, to be clear for people listening, that number is going to be different for everyone. And I actually don't know that the weight number as it is as important as, say, certain measurements or uh, a, some sort of a quantified understanding of how you feel. Uh, you know what I mean? Like Like you kind of have to blend those two. For me, I have my 20s and 30s remembering that I felt kind of the best between 180 and 190. So we're going to get back there and see how we feel. And if it seems to be like something that's maintainable, because I don't have the greatest diet. I enjoy fried food. I love French fries. I love chicken wings. Mm -hmm. I try and keep that to a a different sort of minimum than I did previously. And I like to snack as well at times. Mm -hmm. We'll see how far the treadmill and the, the drinking kind of gets me. And then the rest could come from 
the rest can come from like slowly refining the the diet and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that's that's I, I mean it's a lot of words, but that that's kind of the scenario I'm in currently. You, you mentioned uh, getting on the scale, and I remember when when I a few years ago when I kind of changed my my lifestyle fairly radically with the diet uh, and more exercise. I was between two twenty five and two thirty, and then I dropped down, and I think at my lowest, probably a year, a little over a year ago, I was down in the one eighties, and. Um, you know, so I dropped a fair bit of weight enough for, for people to notice. And I, I felt the immediate kind of lightness when I was out on riding a bike or running. It just, it, you know, it's much less wear and tear on the joints, et cetera. But again, and again, we're, we're probably, we're probably getting into a little bit of psychoanalysis here. You, I've mentioned that I'm, I don't do well with moderation and I, I'm kind of an all or nothing person when it comes to drinking or diet. Um, I'm kind of that way with, with getting on the scale. I kind of beat myself up a bit or I, it leads to kind of, I don't want to say bad behavior, but sort of some bad mental energy if I weigh myself too often. So I've kind of stopped weighing myself. And I think once I, once my weight stabilized, I just decided that, you know, okay, if I'm working out, chances are I'm gaining some muscle that weighs more than fat, as they say. Um, so I'm not going to really look at a number on a scale anymore because I've kind of stabilized and, I, I kind of go by how I feel and how my clothes fit. So that's where I'm at now. And I think, you know, weight is a very um, easy, it's probably the easiest way to measure anything, you know, body-wise, because you, you can see a direct correlation. Um, I think there was a time when that worked well for me. And now mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point where I'm trying to measure things in other ways. So it might come down to running distance, for instance, like I'm adding a mile to my longer runs every weekend. And so now I'm up to seven miles and next weekend I'd like to do eight miles. And at some point I'd like to kind of be doing between 10 and 12 miles for a long run in preparation for this endurance event in June. It also brings up the, the, the notion of motivation and what, what we're after, what are our goals and what drives us. And I think for me to, to commit to a physical challenge at the beginning of this year for something in June really boosted my motivation. It, it was a carrot. It was something to aim for and something that I had to hit. I, I was accountable to it. I announced it to, you know, several thousand TGN listeners. I put it out on Instagram, et cetera. And I'm now accountable to that. And, you know, barring any you know, catastrophic injury or illness along the way, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to hit it. And, um, there's an aesthetic part to it too. You know, you look in the mirror and you see yourself, you know, getting a little soft in certain areas, your skin doesn't look as good, et cetera, or your pants are too tight, et cetera. We all have different motivations. And I think, you know, losing weight is a, is a good place to start. And then at some point you become like, okay, now what about performance? How, how fast can I climb that hill on my bike or how fast can I run a mile or how far can I run and things like that. And, and that's kind of the, the point where I'm at now. And, um, and then, you know, you mentioned, the inspiration of, of observing different people. And I've just, I've just learned so much. And again, I never used to be this way, but to, to see people out there, you know, fitness professionals or, or just friends that are on, on a similar journey has been hugely encouraging. Um, and you know, a while back when you kind of introduced in a final note, uh, training talls, um, rowing workout, the row 20 workouts on YouTube, I started following him. Austin, uh, is his name and he goes by training tall on Instagram really good natured, humble guy. He offers a lot of good, encouraging tips. Yep. Um, there's another guy, Jack Hanrahan, who I started following this British guy with like this Adonis physique, like just incredible physique. And he did the fan dance. And that's when I first learned about him. And and he's, he offers some interesting tips. Um, our old friend, Sean Lurwell, who was on a show a few years ago, and I brought him up a few times. 
he's been a huge inspiration and a massive help. And I had written to him and he gave some nutrition guidelines that I follow in terms of how much protein, fat, and carbohydrates I should be getting per day and how to get those. So, you know, all of this kind of merges together to become embedded in my lifestyle to the point where every day I'm thinking about, I'm building in that workout time and I'm thinking about the protein shake that I'm going to make and have after my long run or, um, you know, the protein powder I'm putting in my cereal in the morning, things like this, that, like I said, at the top, it's kind of become a bit of a, of a hobby and it's actually downright fun. I think a lot of people view nutrition and working out as, as work or a, a slog or, or son of, um, an obligation, but it's because the first two months kind of suck. It, it, it does. And then at some point it switches and then you start and to so see rewarding. something and feel yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I would love to know kind of like, you know, I said like my, my, that was kind of my plan was to get to this point. And, and I do think that the treadmill and when the weather's better, the bikes and being outside and kicking around the cottage will all bring me closer to this yeah. thing where you start, you stop thinking about like getting to a certain point and then you get to a certain point and you go, well, what, what can I do with this? Yeah. Yeah. Can I run farther? Can I do a mountain? Could I do the fan dance? Like mm-hmm. having that goal is great. And I think it's, it's lit a fire under you for sure. Yeah. But that's not the only plan. Like you have a lot of this fairly regimented. What else do you think if you, if you extrapolated a couple things from, from all the notes that we've got here, mm-hmm. what else was kind of, wh- what are you getting the most value from as far as a move or a, a change? Kind of paying more attention to nutrition, but also structuring uh, kind of a series of workouts and cross training in anticipation of this very specific event that I have in in June, which is, you know, it's, um, it's a 14 and a half mile or 24 K, uh, weighted hike basically up and over the highest mountain in South Wales and then back again. So it's 4,500 feet of ascent overall mm-hmm. over the 14 and a half miles. And so to do that, I've, I've kind of been building endurance by doing ever increasing long runs, as I mentioned, and then cross training with swimming and getting on the rowing machine and biking since we've had such a weird winter. And, and things like this, I've been on the stair climber. I'll start doing some weighted hikes when the mud gets off the hills and I can start going to some of the ski hills and hiking up and down. <laughs> a, a big piece for me that I've discovered this year has been my, a big revelation, I guess, has been my, my lack of mobility and flexibility. And I think that that's something that I overlooked forever for my whole life. And I've just not paid attention to, I've always admitted that I've been inflexible but I've really come to realize how limiting that can be. And so I'm really trying to get better at that. And I'm not, I'm not there by any means, but you know, I remember several years ago, you'd sent me kind of a, uh, yoga or stretching routine on, on YouTube that you liked. And that was good, but I, I never stick with it. Me neither. But I started going for, I, I sort of had this weird nagging lower back injury that I got ironically from, from working on the Land Rover and kind of being bent over in a weird position for like three days in a row. And I, I went to a chiropractor, which I had never done. And it was kind of a revelation for me because, um, it was not just a back crack or neck cracking adjustment. It was, it was a full body sort of almost assisted stretching routine. Um, and I got some tips and then I went for, I've been going regularly for therapeutic massage at the same clinic. And it's, it's kind of, I guess reinforced to me that the value of, of things like slow movement, stretching, mobility, soft tissue, connective tissue, that sort of stuff, which I'm, that is my next kind of hurdle or goal, um, is, is just getting better at that because there are just some moves that I just cannot do. 
and that will lead to injury eventually if I don't kind of get better at that. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is the key that everybody uh, sort of ignores. I think too, so, well, when I say everybody, I'm, I'm generalizing. But yeah, I, th- I think that that's a big part. I, I still get some good use out of that like knockoff Theragun that I bought. Oh, yeah. If I, yeah. If I have like a tightness. If mm-hmm. I do, a, a, you know, when I went to the vest and then, you know, kept doing these just, you know, almost fast enough to be running at t- or like jogging, I found like my calves got pretty tight for the yeah. first couple of days and, and yeah. those the you know the $80 not again knockoff their gun uh, is, is quite helpful for that kind of thing you know the the other thing that that has kind of helped me and this is I'll try and keep this to say something like five minutes is the aura ring yeah and I want to be very clear there's no bias here I bought the ring with my own money paid full price I pay full price for the monthly seven dollars or whatever it is uh, I didn't even get a referral but if you're if you hear this and you want to go the aura ring route Drop me a slack. I have at least a couple more $50 off. Uh, a few of the the crew has already jumped on that. But I did want to make it clear that like it's not like I have a relationship with um, with Aura Ring uh, in any way. Uh, we bought these off the website like a normal human being. And uh, my wife and I each got them. I really, really, really like them, as does my wife. I will make it clear that I don't, that the value here is having some data that supports what you do every day. And I don't think that has to come from a two, three, four hundred dollar ring and a monthly subscription. Uh, for years, I use something like a Mi Band, which is made by Xiaomi, oh, yeah. and they're about thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. And they do step counting, and they do active heart rate, and uh, they can do fitness uh, like workout tracking. Yeah. So you can have a record of your workouts and see how they're getting easier or harder or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say this is more of a suggestion that if you if the data might lead you to enjoy this more or feel more of a payoff for your the work you put in, then get something to track your workouts, whether it's an Aura Ring or a Whoop or a, a, a Fitbit or an Apple Watch. I don't really care. Garmin is a great option, and that's what I've used in the past. What I like about the Aura Ring is, unlike the Garmin, I'm not going to wear a Garmin every day of the week all the time. Yeah or an Apple Watch, mm-hmm. whereas the Aura Ring, it's four or five days of battery life. It takes like maybe 40 minutes to charge it from empty. Uh, the little charger is very easy to travel with. It's probably no bigger in a bag than the cable, the magnet cable for an Apple Watch or the clip cable for a, a Garmin. And it's just like I have, I'm have. i going to wear a ring, ring anyways, a wedding ring, so this just replaces that on my hand, and I get a ton of tracking that I really like. It, it has made like huge differences in the way that I approach my sleep. Like I've become a real jerk about like, well, this is bedtime though, <laughs> especially if I'm like yeah. out working. Like I, you know, just recently did a, you know, press thing in New York with Oris and the whole time it was like, I was doing what I would normally do on a press trip. You stay up, you hang out with people, you get, you get that time in, in the evening. Yeah. But I had this like weird background noise of like, you're, sh- you're blowing it, dude. Your sleep's <laughs> going to suck. It's going to be, t- you're like, your score is going to be in the forties. Yeah. In the fifties. Yeah. Right. So it, it does kind of like reframe. It gives you things to focus on. And if you're focusing on healthy thing, you probably make healthy decisions. A question about it is um, because I, I'm curious because I um, was always kind of this person who is a bit of ambivalent about wearing uh, the Garmin for even for working out. I, I kind of knew what my distances were for the runs that I was always doing and the bike rides, et cetera. So I just thought I'm just going to wear my my Pelagos or I'm going to wear whatever I'm wearing, whatever watch, because I don't I don't like always switching to a, a smartwatch. But now that I'm, I've got specific goals when it comes to distances and I want to track my heart rate more, the Garmin has become invaluable for that. So I do swap back and forth. Does the Aura Ring provide 
those metrics as well. Like if I, like the Garmin, I put it on, I set it to run. It tracks my distance. I can control my music mm-hmm. through it, et cetera. And it's handy for that. I don't necessarily need the music control and all that, but will it track a run, for instance, the distances? Oh, yeah. Yep. So um, you it, it's tracking all the time, but then you can go into the app and click like record an active workout. Mm-hmm. And in the app, you can do... So if you go record HR workout, outdoor running, indoor running, outdoor cycling, indoor cycling, or walking, hmm. those are the five options. I just pick indoor running for when I'm on, on the treadmill. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, they're counting it as a very slow, slow run, you know, three, yeah. three and a half miles an hour, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Garmin where you can say like, I'm on a rowing machine. Yeah, sure. Give me some metrics. Yeah. And it's also like when it's recording, it's not showing you anything on the screen. It's really not invasive. Yeah. It's not even as much as like, you know, if you have an Apple Watch or the Garmin on and you're doing your workout, you might be checking your heart rate mm-hmm. throughout the, the thing. Right, you're not even right. doing that. This is just recording your workout and you can see the data after. I see. I see. Okay. Okay. So it won't help me with my distance. Like if I want to do a seven mile run, I won't be able to like actively check during the run. I'd have to look at you know, some other app or something on my phone to get that information. Yeah, I think you'd still have to use some sort of a tracker yeah. uh, for that. I think this is more... It's more about metrics. It's, it's less of it. Okay. It's more about metrics, but it, I, th- I would say it's less about fitness tracking, more about if you do an activity like a, wa- a walk, mm-hmm. it will include it in how it kind of maths out your day. I see. Okay. Uh, and I understand I misused the term maths there, but, the, you know, it, it's it's constantly calculating your stress level, how well you slept, Mm -hmm. what your um, sort of resilience is, your heart rate variability, your blood ox. It's like constantly metering all these things and then giving you some idea of how you're doing. Okay. So sometimes I'll have a lower sleep score. I'll say like, hey, today might be a good day to take a little break. Maybe maybe don't do the big workout today. Huh. Yeah. Whereas other days, it'll, you'll have a, I'll have a sleep store in the mid 80s, which for me is excellent. I've seen 90s. Apparently, they exist. Not for me. Yeah. And it'll say, you know, today's a great day to push to do something new. Go do an activity you've been waiting on. Maybe try a new thing. Like, it gives you these sort of uh, fairly benign sort of uh, recommendations. Yeah. Um. Uh, so I, I don't. It, it's not going to take the place of a of a smartwatch. Mm-hmm. Where you'd have data right on, like running with an Apple Watch or a Garmin is amazing. Yeah. You have yeah. your data right there. You have step cadence on the Garmin. I've you know I've done a mm-hmm. lot of running with the Garmin stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of a different scenario with the Aura Ring. It's okay. a little bit less tuned towards um, that that unit of of exercise, and rather seeing the exercise, what it did to your heart rate, and that sure. sort of thing as part of the whole scope of the day. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The the one thing that I will say is is startling is having this level of resolution on your hand when you do have a drink Mm. you can have a beer and i can see that beer i can see it on the little chart oh there it is that's amazing that's when it hit my stomach wow Wow. Uh, because the heart rate goes up and then it stays up and you learn like like for me um i get about the same result from say two beers in an evening Mm -hmm. as i do from one Mm. but the third one is a whole different world we're talking like heart rate does not go down when I go to bed. Wow. It just stays up. Wow. Whiskey stays up. Yeah. And um, I so yeah, I would say to, to keep it simple, I really love the um, the product. Uh, I love seeing how certain behaviors reflect on on the sort of well-being that it's capturing or the, the perspective of well-being that it's capturing. And it's nice to have some data that backs up decisions. So if you make a decision, um, whether it's, let's say, you decide to have a drink or two and then you don't feel that great. You can tell why. It also knew that I had a bad cold coming before I did. 
I thought I was just a little bit congested huh, and it was like your heart rate or your body temperature's up, your heart rate's a little up. Huh. You might want to consider like actually resting for the wow. next couple of days. Wow. It's not looking good for you. Amazing. That sort Jeez. of thing. Yeah. Wow. You know, we're, we're kind of getting to the end of our kind of time for this, but I, I just, I thought it might be interesting to close out by um, acknowledging the fact that, you know, in our kind of audience we have this this wide range of of ages you know from 20s up to older than me of course and i'm I'm turning 54 in about six weeks and in a couple of weeks you're turning 37 38 right oh hold on um Hmm? Uh must be 38 oh (laughs) (laughs) okay so so you're turning 38 i was born in 86 so yeah 38 (laughs) Yeah, you know you're getting older when you can't remember the year. It just doesn't um, matter anymore, man. I've I have felt 28 for a decade. Yeah, I just an- yeah. I'm just not is the sad part. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember we were on a press trip sometime, and someone said there's a point in life at which you just stop progressing mentally. Like you're always you're always at a certain age mentally. But we're we're talking about kind of physical fitness on this show, and I guess my point was we have this wide range of ages in our audience, mm-hmm. and you and I are quite a bit different in age, but I think what you realize at the different points in your life is the different needs, um, that your body has and, and kind of the different challenges. And I think for someone at, at my age, um, what I'm dealing with now is this more challenging mobility and flexibility issues, as well as, as you, as you alluded to, uh, muscle mass loss, you know, I, I, yep. not only did I lose a fair bit of weight, including muscle mass a couple of years ago, for the first time in my life, I've actually had to consider weight training, which is something I never was really that interested in or, or keen on or had much experience in. But I'm starting to realize that I kind of need to build that into my workouts. And I think oh, definitely. looking back at your age, um, late 30s, I think what, you're, what you mentioned earlier is you start to realize that that is about the age when the behavior of your youth starts to catch up and things start to change and you start to realize like, Oh, definitely. Um, I'm slowing down. I can't keep the weight off as much. I can't like live and eat and drink the way I did when I was 30. Mm -hmm. And so it it is interesting. I think we represent two, two different points in, in aging in life of our, of our audience. And and we have many more along that spectrum in our audience, but it is, um, um, you know, for you and I to present our, our different perspectives at our different ages, I think is, is really interesting. Yeah. I, I, and I think the, the, the takeaway and, and to be clear, Jason, I have some suggestions for the skeletal muscle, mm, mm-hmm. but I, I, it's actually something I don't think I'm going to put on record, uh, simply because it will upset some people, mm. uh, especially those who are like very deep into the fitness world. If it's something people are really curious on, I guess, drop me an email or whatever, but the, the the thing that it comes down to for me is like I, I'm in it. We are also in two different modes of what we want. Yeah, I'm just trying to undo what I did to myself for the last <laughs> few years. Sure, that's all. Yeah, yeah. Once I'm done that, I think I'm going to head down a road similar to you. I love the idea of finding a big goal. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still kicking around the idea of maybe doing, um, the, you know, the Rue de Mont Blanc for my fortieth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which would be a big hike. Uh, mm-hmm. Might push that to like 45, then the daughters could come. It'd be better. So, you know, but another big goal would be nice, whether it's a, a certain speed of a run or a certain distance on a bike or something. I don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. It'll reveal itself to me. But I think that the, um, the, the thing that feels really good is one, having a space to talk about this. And I'm not saying talk about it like TGN, like for an episode. Mm-hmm. We can make anything an episode. Yeah. Lord knows I love to ramble. Mm-hmm. But having the, the slack and the folks that came forward, like Tom Play saying that he was, you know, essentially looking to undo 
some of what he did over the last couple of years really made me feel like I wasn't trying, I didn't need to just do this quietly on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not saying I'm going through some grand struggle on, it's actually quite the opposite. I, I'm feeling as good as I felt in some time mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm really happy, but I do, I do have to shout out you, like I said, you and Tom and Andrew and, and really just the TGN crew in general, because the, it doesn't matter if it's fitness or something else, having that space where you can just ask yeah. a question. Yeah. And I, we have a, like 1200 plus people in, in there. Yeah. I've never seen anyone slap back on a question that was too novice, too silly, too junior, right. yeah. Yeah. too civilian. Everybody just answers earnestly. Mm-hmm. And it's a great place to figure out a new way of doing something. Right. Whether that's a new way of interfacing with your hobby with watches or, you know, we've got guys in there that are ultra marathoners. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is why I wanted to be really clear that you're getting data from Jason and I, not from pros. Yeah. But if you want access to that kind of thing, I do, I highly recommend. I mean, look, this is, here's my biggest sales pitch. It's a little bit less per month to be in the Slack than it is to have the aura ring. <laughs> <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> right. Not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really genuinely am in a place currently of like feeling very thankful to have you and, and several other people kind of as part of the circle and and to feel like just kind of good about kind of the future and yeah. feel like I've got things under control and I find that I'm like I said the the with the changing the diet and the drinking and a little bit of exercise the stress levels are way different and I feel capable of doing more mm-hmm. and I think I've I've had a lot of kind of like not guilt isn't the right word but like um just worry that I was at a hundred percent and couldn't find another 10 for TGN when it needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Just with everything else that life has. And I feel like I've found that 10 in the last few months. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to just kind of stay the course, see where we land and, uh, and connect, connect with people over it as, as they want. Hopefully people weather the storm of a 40, 50 minute, you know, (laughs) episode about (laughs) kind of our, the last, you know, little while of our fitness journeys and maybe some values in it. Maybe some people will think like, these are just a couple of guys, you know, figuring stuff out a little late, um, Mm -hmm. uh, which, which may in some cases be true, but you know, you and I have been active for most of our lives. Right. right. It's just, you move into these different phases. Right. And I guess before we close out, I mean, I'd love to, we'd love to continue this conversation, whether in totally Substack in the, in the show notes and the comments, um, or definitely on the health and fitness channel on Slack or the episode chat. Once this episode goes up, um, always great to get feedback and tips from other people. Yeah, absolutely. And as a, as a very final statement to this, if this is something that people are keen about, I would be more than happy to figure out a methodology for capturing questions and bringing in an actual expert. We have Sean yeah. Lurwell. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you could be a whole lot more of an expert. I have access to a few other people in, in the world that, that would probably be happy to come on and chit-chat about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so if there's some interest in that, if this episode wasn't a complete bore, uh, to some of you, then let me know. It could be an email if you're not in the Slack. Uh, I don't think this is something that would have to be behind the paywall. If you know, let's let's try and make it uh, accessible to a lot of people. So yeah, uh, l- let us know if this is something that you would like to have the ability to ask a question that's maybe personal to you um, in you know either an anonymous or a, a you know sort of TGN Q and A sort of methodology, but with an actual expert. Yeah, we have you know much like we have with watchmakers in the past, we have access to you know, people who are fitness professionals. So yeah. Yeah. Be cool to have Austin on to talk about that. Oh yeah. You know, when there's no question that if I, if I pull the, 
the rowing machine off of its uh, now semi-permanent vertical position. Um, <laughs> it's to watch one of his videos. I'm such a fan. And I, I, I will routinely, he's the only short I watch as well, like on oh, YouTube. Sure. Yeah. If I yeah. see that he just puts something up, I watch it because I learned something. Yeah. I like the other day, just the other day, randomly, I learned why, probably why my calves were hurting on the treadmill. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Figuring stuff out I didn't even know was wrong. With that, how about a little bit of final notes? Yeah, sure. Um, why don't you go first? I, I really like yours. I'm excited about it. Yeah, so Sarah and I went to a little town uh, about an hour and a half from where we live. Called uh, The town is called Stratford or Stratford-on-Avon. It's like a british sort of themed town. It's where they do a large uh, like um, thespian festival uh, each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were there and kind of kicking around. And there's a handful of really cool stores and I, I do wish I had made a note of what this store was called. I tried to find it on Google Maps before we recorded, but I'll remember at some point and share in the future. But in this store, it was one of these stores that had all sorts of um, sundries, if you will. Uh, you know, maybe maybe backpacks and, and fanny packs and stationery and, and this sort of stuff. And, and one of the things we saw, we actually it wasn't strictly for sale or they didn't have like a display, but it was holding a bunch of product. And we we're like, what is that? <laughs> and it was this big... Um, bag made out of like a tarp style material like the laminated tarp yeah it's called the high tide tarp bag comes in a variety of sizes we bought the large which is i believe 46 liters oh, they have a 70, 70 liter. liters wow. sorry yeah it's a 70 liter uh which is 18 and a half gallons for for those of you uh still counting gallons and it, I, I just, I absolutely love this. As someone who's constantly moving things in and out of the back of the Jeep, especially you go to and from the cottage, we have a collection of these like semi-hard tote bags, mm-hmm. you know, where they have like a rim. So they hold their shape a little bit. It's not even a bag. It's like a, a tote. I don't even know what you'd call it necessarily, but we have a few of those. And this holds more. It's watertight. So like in their pictures, they've got people, you know, filling it full of ice and chilling water in it you know, putting all their fishing gear in it so it can sit on the shore and not get wet. It's just this like kind of useful sort of universal product. It's a it's a round bag made of PVC tarpaulin. The brand is called High Tide. I've now kind of gone down the rabbit hole with this brand, which is <laughs> a fascinating brand to begin with. They do a ton of um, clothing. They do a ton of um, like stationary pens, calendars, desk items is how I would probably describe it. You know, they've got little toolboxes and hourglasses and uh, keychains and all this sort of stuff. But uh, in in the running of everything that they offer are these tarp bags. And, I, uh, you know, Sarah and I saw it and we asked the guy and he's like, oh, it's this company High Tide and they make this thing and I guess I'll sell it. And I was like, well, I guess we'll buy it. I love it. It's really cool. <laughs> Looks amazing. Yeah, I, I, I really think, I mean, there's any number of uses and I'm always you know what I, I make a lot of use of and then they end up cracking or, or breaking or, or whatever is um, like five gallon buckets, but they aren't as accessible and they're, they're rigid and they're just, they're not as, as friendly to kind of store and use and drag around. So this is uh this is super cool. I love it for, for the garden or for the back of the Land Rover or something. Yeah. And I mean, the, the other thing is it's 46 bucks. I mean, like yeah, it's not a right. crazy amount of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I have to I, I, look, I'll report in if the thing falls apart after a year. Mm-hmm. But even, but like with the extent to which we use it and the fact that it's now, you know, if you use one of those fabric bags I was describing and let's say you put some food in it or something and it leaks, then the bag, you have to figure out how to wash it so it doesn't smell. Right, right. You don't have any of these problems here. I could put, I could put a total mess into the back of this thing and take it home and spray it out with the hose. Yeah, yeah. And like oftentimes we don't, you know, we're at the cottage, at, let's say we're at the cottage at a weird time 
and we're not going to make it. We're not going to be there for garbage. Right. I, just, I take the garbage home. Oh, sure. Well, now yeah. it doesn't have to possibly sit in the back of the Jeep and leak into the carpet. <laughs> yeah. It can sit in this. Yeah. yeah. I love this stuff. Yeah. And, and the pricing was fair. I think I think we paid maybe 65 Canadian for it. And I don't think it'll be the last one that we buy. Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. It's useful. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It's got little handles, can fold up pretty flat. Yeah. I might need to pick up one of these. I like it. Very cool. So that's what I've got. The high tide tarp bag. Your, your mileage may vary, but I'm pretty keen on it, and uh, and, and I dig it. So uh, what, what have you got for us today, Jason, to finish the show? Yeah, mine's another podcast, actually. Um, and, you know, we, we typically don't cover kind of current world events and things like that on, on TGN, but I ran across this on via the BBC Sounds app. Um, they have, a, you know, live radio stations and music and podcasts, et cetera. And one of them was this podcast called I'm Not a Monster. And they had two series of it, two seasons, I guess. And the second season is called the Shamima Begum story. And look, this is not a revelation to a lot of people because it's been in the news quite a bit. It goes back to, gosh, 2014 when this uh, young uh, London woman, girl, uh, 15 years old, left England to join ISIS in Syria um, kind of without telling anybody, her parents or friends or whatever, other than the two girls she she left with, uh, and then she kind of disappeared from sight um, for a number of years until she surfaced in a in a camp in 2019 after ISIS was defeated. And this British journalist Josh Baker uh, had been following the story for many many years and put together this extensive 10 episode podcast series in which he travels to. Syria and Turkey and digs into how she got there and interviews her and um, followed her case right up until the present day. In fact, he, he just posted a kind of a six minute follow up episode last week because it, it popped up in the news again in the UK because the um, appeals court there uh, upheld a ruling that that Shamima Begum could not get UK citizenship uh, and come back to the UK. So she remains in a camp in Syria. Um, it's, it's a complex story. It's a sad story. It's a fascinating story. But I think what struck me was the quality of journalism and research and presentation and production of this podcast. And, um, look, I'm, I'm not nearly as big of a, a podcast consumer as you are, James, or a lot of other people, but, um, so I don't listen to a ton, but I was, I was captivated and Gashani and I kind of just binged this. We were, we just kind of stopped watching TV shows and stuff and just started listening to episodes of this every night. And, and Josh Baker does a great job and, and it's won some awards. I think it won like podcast of the year uh, for 2023. So yeah, check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's on, I, I found it through the BBC sounds app, but uh, I think you can find it on Spotify and Apple and other places. So yeah, check it out. That's awesome. Yeah. Sounds uh, like a very, very complicated story for sure. I can't imagine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, one, one of, it is one of those things like the, that, that Avenue of storytelling, whether it's, you know, obviously true crime is one of the biggest, Mm-hmm. podcast topics maybe that's the world we should have gone into <laughs> but uh, to tell these complicated stories that probably have a lot of different perspectives and a lot of um, complexity in terms of everybody's sort of thinking about what what the headline is I feel like yeah. that's one of one of the real zones for podcasting so that that sounds like uh sounds like a heavy one for sure yeah yeah I could not recommend it enough it's uh, it's superb well very cool on that note, um, I guess we're we're at the end of the episode. We've, we've mm-hmm. covered quite a bit of ground here, and uh, I, I found it really rewarding. I found it really fun and, and 
hopefully a lot of other people did as well. So uh, as we mentioned earlier, please jump into comments in Substack or on Slack. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback on the topic of this week's episode. But as always, thanks so much for listening. And if you do want to subscribe to the show notes or get into the comments for each episode, or consider supporting the show directly, and maybe even grab a new TGN signed NATO, please visit thegraynado.com. Music throughout is Siesta by Jazzar via the Free Music Archive. And we leave you with this quote from William Shakespeare, who said, Our bodies are our gardens, to which our wills are gardeners. <laughs>